G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. In the late 18th century, William Wilberforce was converted. Almost single-handedly, he broke the shackles of slavery. People there were just totally different. We are looking at the footprint of God over the last 2,000 years. Since the Roman legion destroyed Jerusalem in the year 70 AD, the Jewish people have a nation of their own. And he said, well, no, Randy, we're not all just faking it. There is a living hope, and his name is Jesus. And I believe that that's really why you're here. Christ died for us. History Makers. Hi, welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking with Lynn Hamilton from Forerunners International Network, based on the Gold Coast and does a lot of ministry around the world. Uh, we're going to find out a bit of Lynn's story today. Uh, welcome along, Lynn. Tell us a bit of your story. Whereabouts were you born and raised? Hi, Matt. Well, yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Um, I was born in the north of England in a, a little town called Chorley mm-hmm. in Lancashire, um, ages ago, a long time ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, into a, a working into a working class family. Uh-huh. Um, got um, uh, There was four kids and the mum and dad, obviously, so working class, grew up with not very much, but mm-hmm. a great sense of humour and great family life. And did you yeah. have much of a uh, religious upbringing? Okay, well, my, my mum was Catholic, uh, Dad was Protestant, but not practicing. And uh, Mum sort of made me take my brother and sisters to high mass um, every Sunday. So I was familiar with going to church, but um, never really. I always believed in Jesus, but never really sort of encountered him. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when I was um, twelve, I went. To, I won a scholarship and went to convent school, grammar school. Um, so I was surrounded by nuns then, and considered. <laughs> becoming a nun for about five minutes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I saw this um, pop TV show in England called Top of the Pops and saw all the uh, recording artists in the early 60s and decided, no, I don't want to be a nun, I want to be a pop star. <laughs> so, uh, so I sort of followed that instead and uh, bailed out of the church. I stopped going to church when I was about 14 and um, uh, formed a rock band instead. We were called the Desperados, which <laughs> I don't need to say much more about that. Um, <laughs> but it was the early 60s, and um, the, the only other uh, band in England that had a female uh, was Lulu and the Lovers. And uh, so our, we were the other band that had a female singer. So it's a bit of a novelty act, but... Um, we got to work with um, a lot of the big bands at the time, mm-hmm. you know, the Stones, the Faces, and Freddie and the Dreamers, anybody who was anybody back then in the early early 60s. So that was great experience. So, yeah, my religious uh, stuff stopped when I was 14, and I went fully into the rock music industry, yeah. And you ended up recording the massive hit song from Prisoner Cell Block H uh, on the Aussie TV soapy. Uh, yeah. In 1979, uh, yeah. the number it was number one in Australia, number three on the UK charts in 1989. Uh, yeah. Tell us about how that all came about. 
I basically had, I was a, um, I guess, a, a, a child, a teenage um, pop star in England in the 60s. Uh, in 71, I resigned from it all and uh, got married and moved out to Australia. Had a couple of kids. Uh, and then a few years later, going through divorce, um, I met I met Jesus. I had an encounter with him and got born again when I was about 28. And um, a couple of years, I spent a couple of years getting to know him and the word and trying to raise these kids by myself. And um, uh, one day I just said to him, what can I give back? I want to give something back. And um, he, <laughs> I actually heard an audible voice, Matt. He spoke to me in an audible voice and said, give me your voice. And um, I basically laughed at him and reminded him that I was 28 now and I'm over the hill. <laughs> and <laughs> I've got these two kids and, you know, uh, how are you going to use me like that? But it was basically all I knew how to do was to sing. So I offered him that. And um, within a few months, um, I had recorded some demos and taking them around in, um, the um, record labels in Sydney and basically got a deal with RCA Records. And I knew it was God that was putting me back into their business because nothing in me wanted any part of it. And uh, just following the lead of the Holy Ghost, you know. And um, so, yes, yeah, so I got this deal with RCA and they had a close relationship with the Raj Grundy organization um, who produced soap operas, mm -hmm. and um, I was at the um, Christmas party in late 78 and um, approached by the um, these um, uh, uh, TV executives to see if I would be interested to record uh, a song, a TV series that was coming out in the early 79 called Prisoner, and what they wanted was a... Um, it had to be a female because it's a woman's song about woman in prison and it had to be somebody completely unknown in Australia. So <laughs> I was right there. There was nobody more unknown than me uh, mm. at that time. And so they, um, they actually gave me a cassette tape, believe it or not, on the spot and said, can you learn this overnight? Come into the studio tomorrow morning and... Um, and record it for us and, you know, we'll see where we, we go from there. So that's what I did and they loved it. Um, initially, it was just going to be over the, the credits at the end of the show. But when they heard what I did with it, they said, no, we'll release it as a single. And um, I said to the Lord at the time, Lord, if this really is you, if this is you, it'll be really successful. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? There was nothing in that business that attracted me anymore which is why he could pull me into it, actually. And um, so he had said to me, this is your tool for the harvest. And um, he reminded me that, you know, Jesus in Luke 4, Luke chapter 4, Jesus came to set the captives free. Mm. And because it was, um, the show was about a woman's prison, being in prison. And the Lord said, this is your tool for the harvest. People don't need to be behind literal bars to be in prison. Prison can be anything. Prison can be, you know, debt poverty, abuse, addiction, all of these things. And um, so I said, this is your evangelistic tool. And it was shot straight to the top of the charts and went gold and won an aria and the aria that year and all of that. And then I found myself doing clubs and concerts and actually preaching a little mini gospel in all of my shows and telling people, you know, if you feel like you're in prison, 
<laughs> my friend Jesus <laughs> can set you free. And um, what would happen is that I would go into places like, you know, uh, say Newcastle, Wollongong, wherever, and um, I'd do um, a club on the Saturday night and a church on the Sunday morning. Because wow. the churches very quickly found out he was a celebrity who was born again. And so, yes, and, and they both get advertised in the paper. So I did a club on a Saturday night, preached a little gospel, <laughs> and then Sunday morning, <laughs> go to the church, mostly AOG churches at the time, go to the church, tell them a testimony and lead people to Jesus, people who didn't normally go to church, but they'd come to see me again, mm. hear me again. And um, that's how God used that song in 79. And so I did the clubs for quite a few years off of the strength of that one song. But for me, it was all about the gospel. It wasn't about being in, in the, you know, the music business or anything. It was, it was all for Jesus this time. So that's how he used it. And then 10 years later in England, when all the Brits were going crazy for the Aussie soap operas, Prisoner had its turn. Prisoner Cell Block H had its turn. They call it Cell Block H over there because they couldn't use Prisoner because that had already had copyright on it. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, there was this big public demand outcry for um, for the song. And um, so I, I was actually, believe it or not, I was in America at the time and knew none of this. I was living in America. I didn't know any of it. And um, I just rocked back into Australia and called up my ex-agent um, who said to me, <laughs> where are you? Everybody's looking for you. And I'm like, what? What have I done? And he's like, no, you've got a, the songs in the charts in England. And they'd, um, they'd given up on finding me. They'd released the single and it had gone shot straight into the charts. And I just happened to rock up back in Australia <laughs> that same morning. <laughs> uh. So it was like, okay. So they put me on a plane and I went to England and, and it went to number three in England. Wow. And so, same deal again, bringing people to Jesus, you know. Um, if you're prisoners of your own device or anybody else's device, you know, Jesus Jesus can set you free. So, it's been, it's like the song that won't go away. It just, <laughs> it's nearly, it, it's nearly, well, it's 40 years old now. Yeah. Well, and, it's a um, great testament. I'm curious, when you sung in the yeah. clubs, did you sing gospel songs as well? Like, did you sing like Jesus is just all right from the Doobie Brothers, or you know, did you <laughs> or, or, or worship songs, or was it just? Yeah. yeah. What I what I would do is I would do a a, a clean secular show, um, and then I'd sing the uh, prisoner song, and then and I'd I'd tell them about Jesus, and then I would sing a gospel song. What what was the gospel song you'd do? Um, well, well, I would I would sing um, "You Needed Me," which I think was an Anne Murray song at the time, mm -hmm. and presented in a way that it was about Jesus and you know personalize it to Jesus. Mm. Um, so yeah, and then I'd find that people would be waiting for me in the car park afterwards and outside the stage door, and a lot of them would, might be drunk, but they'd be like, "Tell me more about Jesus." <laughs> <laughs> so it was awesome. So I did like 12 years as an evangelist, actually, off of the strength of that song. Wonderful. And, um, yeah, so I'm sure if Heaven's got a jukebox, it'll be on it. So. <laughs> <laughs> and have you done any, yeah. other, any other music recently? Um, well, I just recorded a song a few months ago 
um, a friend of mine wrote it called, her name's Judy Gale, and um, it's called The Miracle Worker. And clearly it's about Jesus and all his miracles and who he is and what he did. And, um, you know, Judy was dying of alcoholism and um, the Lord delivered her of alcoholism. So she's lived her life for him ever since. And she wrote this song and I hadn't recorded anything like forever. And um, she called me up and said, Lynn, I really believe I want you to record this song. And I, I basically said, oh, no, I don't sing anymore. I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> I've moved on, you know. And she's like, no, I know it's for you. So anyway, I said, well, I'll record it and we'll see. You know, we'll, we'll see. What I've, and I prayed about it and I felt like God said, yeah, um, this is for you. I want you to do it. So, you know, just in faith, you step out. So I recorded the song and, um, yeah, the, uh, you know, in, in light of... Um, what's happening in Australia, uh, what's been happening, you know, the last couple of years with, um, I think, a rise in evangelism and the awakening thing and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it, I mean, it's always a good time to share the gospel, but I think now is the time to really put the name of Jesus out there as much as it can. So that is wonderful. That's what and, I'm all about. And I'd love to know a bit more about the Forerunners International Network. Now, this is uh, in many countries. Tell, tell us all about it. Yeah, well, we, we're, um, I, I was an itinerant minister for 20 years, um, and then um, God gave me a whole bunch of people to look after, which sort of saw me become like a pastor or a shepherd, and we started um, a, a home base here on the Gold Coast called Forerunners International. So, And basically we specialize in raising up, we specialize in the prophetic ministry and raising up people in the prophetic and apostolic and uh, and leaders in particular. And so we were doing that for a number of years, and then we found that all these nations wanted to align because they wanted to learn about the prophetic and apostolic in particular. So we then found ourselves engaging the missions field overseas. So we now have 10 countries that relate to us and draw from us, and a number of my ministers here on the Gold Coast write um, manuals and books and teachings and all that. So a lot of these countries, you know, they're, they're third world, they're poor, they can't afford to buy resources. So uh, I send teams over um, every year to train up, you know, to teach and train leaders, and but particularly in the area of the prophetic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so that's exciting. That just um, So we're in the nations now. Um, and um, thankfully, I've got lots of people I can send. And, the, you know, the apostolic's all about going and sending people. So we're pretty much like um, a sending base, really, like a training base and a sending, sending out. So, yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. And if people want to find out more, the website is forerunnersinternational.com. Yes. And uh, there they can see the links to the different nations you minister in and uh, yeah. y- your Gold Coast campus as well. Uh, yeah. So good to hear about how the Lord has used you, you know, as a musician, as a singer, and, uh, you know, given you a platform uh, to share the good news. Uh, yeah. And uh, great to hear you recording again, you know. Any, any other uh, <laughs> projects you're working on, or is this it for the moment? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I actually i am um, about to hand over the ministry to... The running of the, the day-to-day running of the ministry to my son Brett, mm-hmm. um, 
And um, I actually want to write some books and um, probably itinerate again. I speak at conferences and stuff, and I'm getting up there in years now. Not that not that, that bothers me, but it's like what I do in the next 10 or 20 years like, really matters. Mm. So, you know what I mean? So um, I'm not quite sure what God has, but uh, he did tell me to hand over to my son. So, what, so we've got the next generation coming up now in all of that. And they're all powerful and strong, so I'll always be like the founder of it all and all that. I'm not going away anywhere, but I really don't know what, but I know it'll be good. I know it'll be exciting. Mm -hmm. I've never known the Lord to not be exciting. (laughs) That's right. It's certainly (laughs) an exciting adventure. Now, before we go, you know, there might be people listening that have uh, heard you share a bit of your testimony and that you love to share the gospel. You know, there might be people listening that have never heard the gospel. Would you share with yeah. our listeners what is the gospel and how do people respond to it? Yeah, well, the, the gospel is basically we we all need a saviour. We've all fallen short of knowing God and serving God and there's just an empty place in each one of us um, called our spirit, which is designed to uh, fellowship with God. And if we if we don't know him, we'll try and fill that with all sorts of other things and basically wreck our lives. But um, you know, God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, was sent to earth to pay the price for our sins, so we don't have to pay the price for it. And, uh, you know, God himself gives us the faith to believe in Jesus, and um, if we can apply that faith, then we get reconciled to God the Father. And, um, you know, we can walk with him. We have eternal life then. I think it's important to know, like when I was a Catholic um, I, nothing against Catholics, but I just thought Catholics automatically got into heaven and we had front row seats. And I'd never heard of salvation. Um, but so when I heard that, um, you know, and, and read where Jesus himself said, you must be born again of water and the Spirit. And um, and uh, I, I knew that, I, and also, you know, to so whosoever receives him, he gives the power to become, you know, the, the son, of, son of God. Um, I had always believed in Jesus, but I didn't know that you had to receive him. And when I heard that, that was it. That's been the missing piece for me all these years. So I received him into my heart as Lord and Savior and I repented of my sin. I admitted I was a sinner. That was the hard part <laughs> <laughs> to admit, you know, I was a sinner. But the Holy Ghost convicted me. I hadn't lived my life right and... So I repented and received Jesus and uh, got baptized, you know, in water and filled with the Holy Spirit and I've never looked back since, but we, we need a Savior. And uh, Jesus is it. You know, there is no other Savior, no other name by which we can be saved except His. That sounds so, like um, good news to me. It's great news, yeah. <laughs> he paid the price at Calvary, you know. Yeah, and, uh, that's wonderful. So, yeah. Well, Lynn, it's been wonderful to have you share that good news and uh, wonderful to hear about how your life's been turned around by following the Lord and uh, it is an exciting adventure we're on. Uh, Once again, if people want to find out more about Forerunners International, the website is forerunnersinternational.com. And uh, Lynn, I reckon you're a history maker. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. God bless you, Matt. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to listen to this interview again, just go to historymakers.tv. There you'll find links to Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or check out our YouTube clips. 
History Makers is a faith-based ministry and we appreciate all of your support. The vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus all over the world. If you've got a suggestion of someone we can interview, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless you. Have an awesome day. I'm Matt Prater. And why don't you go and make history? History Makers. History Makers is proudly sponsored by Bible League, who serve the local church and other partners around the world by providing Bibles, scripture materials, and training to help people meet Jesus. They provide God's word to a lost and needy world. Bible League plants Bibles in prisons, among persecuted Christians, and in poor nations, bringing the love and light of Christ into many people's lives around the world. Make history today by joining our friends at Bible League and planting a Bible that will help someone meet Jesus. Go to bl.org.au. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.